Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson. I'm the director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And, well, we're back with another episode of Beyond Clean with ACE. We are live here on Podbean Live this morning. It is a Friday morning. It is, well, we're, we're getting really close to the end of June already. It is hard for me to believe that the year is almost half gone. I, I just don't know where it's went. You know, I guess that's what... Uh, COVID has done to us working from home. We kind of have lost track of the time. Now, for most of you, you may be working from home. I've had the opportunity to work from home throughout my whole career, and this hasn't really been a big change. But we have been doing a lot more of our live classes. And I want to say this morning as we start this uh, podcast, Thank you to all of the hundreds of people who have joined us in our live remote classes and also those who are continuing to get professional development education through their uh, online uh, resource, which is the Academy Online. We're adding new courses. We started a, a group of mini courses and Bill Fellows is with me again this morning. We're going to talk about, well, the SDS and safety and worker hazards and all that good stuff. Bill, are you there? Yes, I are. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good. You know, uh, Bill and I are working on something for you. So if you're listening to the podcast today, we're going to kind of, well, we're going to kind of talk to you about something new. As I said, um, things are changing. Requests are coming in and we're responding. So Bill, is COVID over yet? Oh, not by a long shot. Um, you know, they're opening things up and people are going back, but you can see in the news, there's a resurgence even back in China. And uh, we just got to continue to be diligent and not everybody wants to do that. I, I simply don't understand why a person would argue the point of wearing a mask that can protect them and others. Uh, it's well, I, I have to I have to, to tell you, Bill, I can for the simple reason I've got COPD and breathing through a mask is just something that is very, very difficult to do. And for you, that makes sense. But we got people who don't have those kinds of problems who call it an issue of freedom. You know, mm. in, the case, in the case of uh, the old years past, I mean, there, there was no problem for people to read the sign no shoes, no shirt, no service, uh-huh. and ex- expect they couldn't get service if they didn't adhere to those rules. But now with masks added on, uh, they want to defy that for whatever reason. Well, it's the social unrest that we're experiencing in our society right now. It, it just seems like it carries over in everything. 
you know, and I, and I was looking at doing some travel and with the travel issue and mass being required, you know, one of the concerns I had was how am I going to travel when it's virtually impossible for me to breathe through a mask continuously? Yeah. Have you, uh, have you tried those N95s and they have a, a better breathing apparatus to them than some of the masks do? Yeah, it, it's uh, all of them restrict me to the point of if I sit completely still, don't do anything, don't try to talk, I can do it. Hmm. But you know, if I if I move around, if I try to talk, <clears throat> it's just uh, it's just one of those things. Like I already, you know, I breathe every day like I'm breathing through a mask already. Yeah, uh, and that's really that's that's a a great story for you to be able to tell to help people to appreciate the value of our uh, PPE and and how we handle chemicals. Um, and it's just a shame that you had to be one of those people who was uh, adversely affected by chemicals over the years and have developed that problem. I, I'm really sorry about it. You know, I, and you know my personal story. I lost my wife over the very same thing. So that's why it's such a passion for you and I to explain that to people a little better. Well, this is exactly why that we have you come on the show and why we are talking about this every month. Uh, there are, you know, the, what's the interesting thing, Bill, as we get into this today, I am finding more and more people that have never been in the cleaning industry that are now doing some form of cleaning. I was talking with a a school district yesterday in, in uh, outside of Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, we were talking about cooperative cleaning in the school district where teachers are now being asked to be a part of the cleaning of their room where they never have been before. Uh, and that's a, a point that I've seen too in the industry is that the even in commercial buildings as they're opening up, uh, they're making the same uh, request of their tenants that certain things that the tenants handle in a way of keeping their area clean as opposed to having the service go through every space, every hour or two hours or whatever to do disinfecting of touch points. And uh, that's, that's a big thing. People now are beginning to appreciate the value of cleaning. So, Bill, before we get into your message today on this SDS, which is part of what we're talking about right now, is it appropriate for us to give non-educated, non-professionals commercial disinfectants? Only if they've been trained properly. Well, yeah, but yeah. that's the point. These people aren't. Well, they, I'm not saying they I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying that they should be. Um, but they are being asked to do more things than what they had before. And I, part of what I've been trying to do is, is my work and traveling and now virtually as opposed to, to literally uh, is to help them educate for that purpose so that they can uh, I try to provide them with uh, documents that they give the step-by-step -step of how to so that we don't have those kinds of problems, adverse effects like happened to my wife and yourself and others. 
Well, that, this is one of the reasons why we are in the in the middle of working with a couple of different organizations, and uh, hopefully during the month of July, we will have a live remote and online course on how to apply disinfectants appropriately. We have a mini course up right now. So if you're listening, we do have a mini course, takes you less than uh, probably 45 minutes to go through that for just basic understanding of how to apply disinfectant. We also have one on how to apply cleaners as well, because many people aren't aware that you can't just use a disinfectant by spray and wipe. Yeah, I'm in the middle of looking at a training program for another company to verify its accuracy and its ability. And that's one thing that they do in the in written material and in visual of just uh, a spray and wipe of disinfectant, even on dirty surfaces. And, uh, you know, we got to get that stopped. We can't have that going on. Well, Bill, that's why I on LinkedIn this morning, I put out a, uh, a an article outlining the three steps of uh, disinfection and some of the terms and protocol. And hopefully some people will grasp onto that and, and start looking at that. So, um, you know, we're, we're been talking for the few months about SDS, chemical safety hazards. Uh, at the end of our show today, we're going to kind of talk to you folks and give you an insight about something that Bill and I are working to uh, have available for you. But Bill, I think what we want to do today is kind of pick up where we left off uh, last month, if you remember where that was. Yeah, uh, we had already covered several terms. Uh, I'll just review them very quickly. We learned that flashpoint is the temperature where a liquid gives off vapors. We learned that a flammable material is one that the flashpoint is under 100 degrees Fahrenheit and a combustible material is where the flash point is above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. We learned that uh, vapor density is the weight of the vapors compared to the weight of ambient air. So if the, and the reference weight for air is just a one, no particular reason for it, it's just a reference. So if the vapor density is greater than one, when those vapors are released into the air, they will fall and when they're less than one, they will rise. And we care about that because if we're cleaning in a small area, uh, it doesn't matter if those vapors will burn, they will displace breathable air. So we need to make sure if we have to ventilate, we know where to ventilate. So if it's gonna fall, we ventilate across the floor. If it's gonna rise across the ceiling so that we don't end up in a situation where there's no air for us to breathe. And uh, then there's the specific gravity, which is the comparable comparison of liquids to water. So pure distilled water has the reference of a one. And the so if the specific gravity is greater than one, it'll fall in the water. If it's less than one, it'll float. And uh, we use gasoline as a reference all through this. So gasoline uh, is minus 56 degrees for some minus 40 for others but pretty low temperature where it gives off vapors that's a flash point <laughs> so it's but vapor density is greater than one so it falls when it's released in the atmosphere and if it's uh, <clears throat> put in water the specific gravity is less than one so it floats 
So you can't put out a gasoline or grease fire with the water. <clears throat> You'll just carry it somewhere else. Mm. Then we discussed uh, stability and reactivity. <clears throat> stability just refers to the shelf life of a chemical. It can be adversely affected by three factors. Uh, time, uh, it will eventually not do its job. Uh, a process called polarization where the solids separate which happens with uh, floor finishes, paints, and varnishes. They put some inhibitors in now, make it last a little longer, but it still will do that over time. And uh, then there's also uh, dissipation, which happens with chlorine in a swimming pool. Uh, sunlight takes it away. It still smells like it's got chlorine in it, but it's not effective any longer. So we have to make certain when we're dealing with our chemicals that we know the, the shelf life. And the last one we talked about was reactivity. <clears throat> and those reactions of one chemical to another will vary. Some are <clears throat> just mild uh, vapors. Some are deadly vapors. Uh, some can even cause fires and explosions. So uh, <clears throat> we have to take care of that uh, to know that so that we don't put chemicals that are going to react to one another together on a shelf or the maid cart. So that kind of catches up where we were, a quick review. Where we want to go next is we want to talk about the pH of chemicals. So uh, when we deal with pH, the scale is 0 to 14. 7 in the middle is pure distilled water, very safe. You drink it, it's not a problem. And it won't hurt you. But as you move away from seven, either going up or down the scale, it's a logarithmic scale. So uh, a six and an eight compared to a seven is 10 times stronger. So the logarithm continues to grow by a power of 10. So that as you move away, we'll go up the scale first. We'll move away. Uh, a nine is, or an eight is a 10, a nine is a 100. 10 is 1,000, 11 is 10,000, 12 is 100,000, uh, 13 is a million, and 14 is 10 million. And if you go down the scale, it's a 6 is a 10, 5 is 100, 4 is 1,000, 3 is 10,000, 2 is 100,000, 1 is a million, and 0 is 10 million. So when you move away in that direction, either way, you can see it gets, the chemicals get more and more uh, harsh and, and are more of a hazard to your health. So you need to understand those pH numbers. Also, we wanna make sure people understand which side is acid and which side is alkaline. I'd be amazed at how many people just don't know. <laughs> so, uh, when we get into the class and ask, they'll even, if you let them pursue it, you, you spend a little time kind of coaxing them around, you'll get arguments with each side about that. And oh, yeah. So, finally, yeah, and, 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 and you'll also get that on people that have been in this industry for, well, years and decades, because this is just something people don't, you know, they, they, they don't pay attention to it. And it is one of the biggest determinant determining factors I use for is a product safe for me to be even using. 
Yeah. And even which the selection of the product compared to what you're trying to clean. Oh, absolutely. You need to know those differences, which we'll discuss here in a minute. So uh, for the benefit of the audience, and you can write this down and keep it in your head, acids are on the low side to zero to seven. And alkalins are the high side, seven to 14. Uh, sometimes alkalins are also referred to as base. You might hear that word, but uh, typically we use the term alkaline. In years gone by, if something was considered caustic, it was an alkaline and corrosive was an acid. But it's come now that they turn, tend to use those terms interchangeably. So hearing that word won't necessarily automatically mean it's an acid or, or an alkaline. Uh, because they interchange of the words now. It's just the way we are. Uh-huh. So one of the questions I asked the group then, like we put up the numbers of, of how strong it is against a seven, which side is acid and which side is alkaline, we asked the question, which one is more hazardous to your health, an acid or an alkaline? And what do you think the usual answer is? Oh, everybody says acid. Absolutely, they say acid. But again, if you if you get them to look at it closer and look at the numbers, both have an equal hazard to your health. The Absolutely. real issue, yeah, the issue isn't uh, one is uh, that one is more harmful than the other. The issue is how they affect you, and that in, that indicates why people feel the way they do about it. If you get an acid on you, what happens? It'll burn well, you. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, somebody gets an ass on them. I mean, they immediately, it's like uh, putting your hand in the fire. Yeah. And so what do you do immediately? You go wash it off. You, <laughs> you, you flush it as fast as you can. And whatever damage it's done, it might just be a, a redness or an irritation or it could even be a complete ulceration of the skin. Whatever it is, uh, is finished. And then God takes over and begins the healing process for your body. So that's, uh, that's how the acids work, and it's why people are more concerned about an acid because they feel it immediately. But alkalines don't work that way. Mm-mm. In fact, if a person were to take a, the, the prolonged bubble bath or just want to sit and soak in a tub for a while, when they get out, there people use different terms for it, pruny, wrinkly, Uh, the scientific term is it has defatted the skin and just sucked it right out of you. Yeah. And it does that because alkalins are degreasers. That's what they do. So when they get on your skin, they take off the oil on top and women are very familiar with that process because they want to get it replaced as soon as they can. They want to keep the moisturizer there. Yeah, that's why uh, they. That's why we. Why these stores just love women and bubble baths because now they get to sell all of the lotions that you and I have to buy. That's right. So, uh, and that's a pleasant experience. In fact, probably the only reason you bother to get out of the water is it gets cold. Uh, you can sit there for hours if you can keep the water warm. Uh, so it's it's a pleasant experience, but if it gets up into higher. Uh, alkalinity, if you get into the areas where strippers are 13, 14, and those get on your skin, they do the same thing. They take away the oils. 
They go uh-huh. down into the pores where the oils come from, and uh, they'll go after all the oil that it can. And if there's any little fat cells in there, it'll do that. Now, oil and fat cells do not have any nerve endings. So there's absolutely no unpleasant feeling at all while that's going on. But now it's inside you, going through the pores, and it's under your skin, and there's no more fat, there's no more oil. So if it's still got any potency left to it, it's going to attack skin, muscle, bone. It can even get into your bloodstream. Now at that point, the skin, uh, the muscle, and the bone all have nerve endings. So they're starting to feel the effects of this alkaline working on them. And when they feel those effects, it starts off as just an irritation. The irritation grows into like an itch. And then it grows into a burning sensation. And the scar, or the, you can get, uh, the uh, skin can be affected with alkalines the same as it is with a fire. It can blister up. And it has to be treated the same way. They have to lance it, debreed it. Sometimes even skin grafting is necessary to deal with that. So it can be extremely more dangerous, not because it's worse than an acid, but because by the time we realize we have a problem, it's in a place where we can't wash it off. That's not an option for us. I mean, we can take care of whatever hasn't gone down there yet, but the rest is inside. So our option is to grab the SDS sheet and get yourself to an emergency room, and you're going to be one sick puppy for a while. Yeah, because at this point, it's not like the acid. It's not on the surface. It's down inside. And so this is why, uh, for, for me, the high alkalinity of chemical strippers invaded my body over a period of time and gave me the respiratory issue that I've dealt with for the last 40 years. So this is what we're, we're talking about is, is when we explain that to people so that they appreciate how it works, the chemistry of how it works, that generally makes people more willing to wear PPE. So, well, now we, under, now we understand why, and I think that's the big issue. Uh, simply being told to wear it is something that, well, you don't have the right to tell me that. And now if I understand it, it's my decision to take care of myself, which brings about a whole different reaction. Right. So we, instead of telling it, we're selling it. A whole lot different. So now what we look at is what are the, what are the differences and the, and the similarities in the two? So most of the dirt that gets tracked into a building or gets spilled in a building is acidic in nature. Uh, our bodies are generally somewhat acidic. If you were to take a litmus paper to, to your sweat glands, you'll find that. Oh, absolutely. So what we do is we have what we call neutral cleaners. So the, the acid that comes in is usually somewhere between a 6 and a 7, very mild, but it's there. It needs to be cleaned up. So we use a neutral cleaner, which is between a 7 and an 8, the opposite side on the pH scale. When we apply the cleaner with the detergent processes that are in it, it'll 
loosen up the soil, but it brings the surface back to a seven. So it's ready to use again. Uh, but we have to be, be certain we're dealing with cleaning up an acidic product. Those who live in zones where there's a lot of snow will tend to see a lot of rock salt. Rock salt is an alkaline. And I've seen people do it over and over again. They go out there with their neutral cleaner and they're trying to mop up an alkaline with an alkaline. And it just streaks up the floor. And they can't figure out why. Well, God made things to work a certain way. So if they were to clean with using uh, either white vinegar or a neutralizer pack and use that to mop up the floor when it's uh, rock salt on it, the floor will come back to a seven and be nice and shiny again. You'll be fine. It's the chemistry of cleaning and how it works. But there's a point where using the opposite doesn't work. And an example of that is uh, that we use is uh, the volcano that they build for a science project at a science fair at school. And they spend a lot of time with this paper mache volcano and it has little houses on it and people and bicycles and roads and bushes and trees and all that stuff out there because the zoning commission loves to let people build houses on volcanoes. <laughs> so uh, when it's there, they, they set inside the volcano a dish of baking soda. Sometimes they add food coloring to it just to get that effect of the colors of lava coming out of a volcano. When they're ready to show how the volcano works, they pour white vinegar in there. Now, if they pour it slowly, it'll ooze up and come down the sides and take care of all the houses and the people and they're all going to go away. If they just dump it in there, it shoots out and gets all over everybody. So the judges have to take away their A plus rating because they got themselves all dirty with that little compound. Uh, so the reaction is, depending on how it's applied, can be pretty violent with the, the shooting out of there. It could be relatively mild where it just oozes out. But when you're cleaning, that certainly is not the effect you want when you're using your cleaning products. You don't need a bigger mess to deal with it. So what we do instead is uh, there, there's a point where to clean up an acid, instead of using an alkaline to do it, we use a stronger acid. Places where there's a lot of hard water, these uh, small mineral deposits of calcium and limestone and that kind of thing comes in through our water system and it gets deposited on the inside of our toilet bowls or commodes and it'll show up as uh, what we call rust stains or black marks that come down and at some point it's enough on there that the cleaners we typically use non-acid bowl cleaners just won't take care of it so for restorative purposes only we take a 23% hydrochloric acid, which is a zero on the pH scale, so 10 million times stronger than water. Mm. Very, very nasty stuff. And we put that in there, and what it does is it turns that rock that's deposited on the inside into a, 
softer substance releases it and turns it back into a liquid that can be flushed away. And then we lock up that hydrochloric acid and don't let anybody touch it because we don't need it again until it gets really bad. So yeah, th this isn't something that services should be using on a weekly basis. Absolutely not. No. Strictly a restorative product. And if they're doing the right cleaning along the way, it the frequency of that becomes even less than what it might be otherwise. So, um, so then, the heart, so then, would would you also say that this should not be a product that a frontline technician should be handling? Uh, not unless they've been trained to do it. I, in that case, I would have people who were uh, trained for that particular type of restorative restroom cleaning to use that product. But during its use, as you can imagine, gloves, goggles, it will create a bit of a smoke, if you will, so a, a vapor that come up when you do it. So it's not a real safe product to use, but for some things, it's what you need to get that particular job done. You can, prior to that, you can try such thing as pumice stones, uh, milder forms of acid, um, and if you do those things as you go along and you're cleaning, that stronger buildup just won't happen, so you'll be better off. In any event, uh, that's taking a stronger acid against a weaker acid. So it's like me getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. I wear my earmuffs so I can protect those, but he's going to punch me out a lot quicker than I'm ever going to hurt him. Uh, so that's what you're looking at, a stronger acid on a weaker one, we'll break it up, and then you're, allowed, you're able to flush it away. Well, I'm certainly glad you said you were going to get in the ring with Mike Tyson because I wouldn't even <laughs> think about that. I'm like, man, you got me on that one, Bill. I had no idea where that one was going. <laughs> you, just need some, you might both be men, but it doesn't mean you're equal when it comes to the power. If you were trying to wake me up and get me to pay attention, you got me there. <laughs> Now, when we look at the alkaline side of this, when we lay a floor finish down, that floor finish, when the liquid flashes off from the flash point and it, it dries out, it's a pure sheet of alkaline that's on the floor. And over time, as we all know, and, and you experienced in your lifetime as well, those uh, floor finishes tend to wear and you end up with a time where you have to strip the floor. Now, could we take muriatic acid and put it on the floor and will the floor finish come off? Muriatic acid on floor finish? Yeah. Would that take it off? Not really. Oh, it will. <laughs> it'll, it'll take that off and it'll take the floor off too. Well, yeah, yeah well... <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. I've never, you know, I come to think about it, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've used muriatic acid on concrete to etch a floor, but I don't know that I've ever put muriatic acid on floor finish. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're right. It, 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 yeah, it's going to dissolve anything. Yeah. And uh, so is that a desired result? Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> not unless you're trying to resurface the floor. <laughs> so, what we do instead is there are floor strippers. And over the course of our business, uh, technology has come around where they've been able to use some 
strippers with a lot less pH, but we're going to go back to, to my day and, and probably yours as well, where the strippers were 13 to 13 and a half on the pH scale, way up there. And when we put those on the floor finish, it does the same thing to finish that the acid did to the calcium buildup inside of a commode or a urinal. It turns it into a liquid. Uh, you get a slurry, you, you run the machine over it, you might have to repeat the process a few times, but finally, all the floor finish is gone, but you're left with a floor that's just full of alkaline. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, you can even touch it when you rub your hand over it. It comes off as the white chalky stuff in your hand. There's so much of it. Mm-hmm. So you have to get rid of that. Now, it used to be they told you flood rinse. Well, flood rinse is a long process, and it, it uh, isn't always as effective. But if you use neutralizer packs that they offer, or you use plain white vinegar, I say white all the time because if you use a, an apple vinegar, it'll stain the floor. So use white so you don't get the staining properties, but it will then neutralize the alkaline. You have to keep changing the water, but you'll wind up with a floor that's back to a seven. And when it's back to a seven, it'll hold floor finish again. If you don't do that process and just try to put the floor finish down, it'll destroy it from the bottom up. So you're, you're just wasting your time. So that's the chemistry of clean. If we explain that to all the people that are using chemicals, then they begin to appreciate how to choose a chemical for the job that they're going to perform. And again, these are the same laws that God put in place because he put them in place and the pH is what it is. We can trust that the reactions are going to be exactly as they've been taught and taught to us through scientists who experimented. And sometimes after people were dead from using things the wrong way, they figured out what should be done and they put all that information on the SDS. It's there for our benefit. If you're going to use the SDS critical things for you to look at are section two and section eight. If you look at section two and section eight, and there's a lot of information in there, be scared <laughs> because that means, <laughs> <laughs> means a lot of hazards are involved. They do help you out a little bit because now they use pictograms and they have what are called uh, um, the, the uh, I'm going to use the term danger word. That's not the right term, but there's two words. It's danger and warning. Warning, it means, you know, pay attention. This could hurt you, but danger is this one will hurt you. You got to do something to protect yourself. And sections two and eight give you some very detailed information about what you're going to get into. What's in it is in two. How to protect yourself is in eight. And if your company has a policy about um, your uh, PPE that you're going to wear, definitely you want to follow their, their policies. But I think it's even more important for you to personally read those sections because you may decide that you want to do more than what your company is saying you should do. Mm-hmm. People have to remember that their safety is their responsibility. Absolutely. It's 
It's not the responsibility of the company to keep you safe. That's not their job. They just, their job is to let you know what you should be doing, but you have to do it. And you should look at these chemicals a little harder than maybe the company would uh, would have done or would have uh, told you you should use for PPE and make some decisions of your own. To protect you know, Bill, yourself. in our infection prevention class that we've been doing for the last 90 days and had hundreds of people go through, one of the big things that we talk about at the first and at the end of the seven-hour course is personal protective equipment. And more importantly, not just having the correct equipment, but donning and doffing that equipment correctly. And, you know, this is where I, I can't understand. You know, I guess I can understand this because people just simply don't know because people have not educated them on this. They think that the only PPE that they need to have is what's required. And I always say, you know, if we only do what is required, how long would you be here? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the thing is, is, you know, if you were only required to take in calories and so much, why do we have everything that we do? Because what's required of my body and what I want, what I think I need are different. And so this is a personal choice that each person has to make based on, as you were saying here today, the, the, the right information. And not always are our frontline workers getting the right information. That's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh a lot of times the people that are even responsible to put together the risk management for the company determine the risk as it is, it is for uh, every procedure. When they go to chemicals, they just don't really invest the time to truly understand what they're getting. And when I go through and teach these things to people as I'm doing assessments or I'm doing consulting work, uh, some of them are just amazed to learn this, and it's been there for years, decades. No, well, they're long before you and I came on this planet, and it will be here long after both of us are gone. Yep. Do we have anything so, else we want to cover today? Well, we we can go ahead and mention pictograms. We aren't ability to put them up and show them, but there are nine different pictograms. Um, eight of them are covered under OSHA law. Uh, the other is environmental, and it's covered under EPA law, so OSHA can't. Uh, force a company to put uh, an environmental pictogram in its place, but the responsible companies will because, uh, uh, well, it's, it's, it's covered under EPA instead of OSHA. They still want the people to know if they're dealing with a product that could harm the environment, uh, but it's not uh, required under OSHA law. I find it interesting that uh, whenever I'm doing our infection prevention class, we basically go over the four basic disinfectants that are out there and uh, whenever I bring up a phenolic I show the, the labeling and it has the pictogram the environmental pictogram and uh, many people have no idea what that pictogram means they can pick up the corrosive one but the environmental they just have no concept of that yeah it's, it's this SDS is a whole lot better than it used to be under MSDS. 
Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. The, the globally harmonized system, while it created a whole lot of problems for us as it came on, uh, it is now so much better for well, just the rank and file person to understand. But it's still very complicated. This is not a I mean, we've got so many chemicals that we use in our industry. The pictograms are so helpful now. Yeah, and because they're required to put a the pictogram that applies uh, to the chemical, it's not just a single one. It could be three or four show up on the label because all of them apply to that particular chemical. And the more well, and you now, see, the more you want to think. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and now the uniformity of where they are, uh, as you said, section two and eight. I mean, now we know where that is. Before, it was all over the place. Yeah, there were used. They they had the information OSHA required, but it, every manufacturer formatted it the way they wanted to. Some had uh, sixteen sections like we have now. Some only had ten. Some had eight. So uh, trying to find what you're looking for was very difficult. And it, at the time when it first came out, and I was doing the training, it forced me to change. The, where I bought chemicals because I, I didn't want to have to train all these different manufacturers' methods for the MSDS. It was just too complicated. Well, and, and as you're saying that, Bill, I believe that this is what has kept people from understanding, and basically they don't really want to know about it because they, they, it's, it's always been too complicated. And now that it isn't, and this is where you and I are joining together for uh, a new program. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, excited about that. I mean, you called me about it yesterday, and I was already working on some things, and you'd been working on some things, and you have a lot more expertise in some of these areas than I have from the standpoint of how to put this stuff together. And I'm pretty excited about this project we're working on now. So, folks, what Bill and I are talking about this morning is uh, two subject matter experts getting themselves together to produce and bring to you a, well, a more interactive, more, well, an informational program for the SDS chemical safety worker uh, hazards protocols. So uh, as we continue to work on it and put the program together, if you're listening to our podcast this morning, either live or recorded, we would ask you to submit your questions, uh, concerns, issues. How might we put a program together to make this subject matter more palatable and more accessible? One of the ways that we here at the Academy do it is uh, we've been doing this with remote learning. So I will tell you that as this is produced, we will have this in live remote sessions where you can actually talk with us just as we're doing it here on Podbean Live today. Um, we will also have it in a online self-service uh, course for you as well. So for, you know, Bill, as you were talking about, these companies that don't have and are struggling to put together something that really is, you know, worker-friendly, I would say. This is what our end goal is. Yes, exactly. And uh, we need to, as we're doing this, people to understand that um, this isn't just because 
it's a law. It's because we care. Uh, we both in situ. We're both in situations that uh, created a, a passion in us to help people understand uh, the dangers of chemicals and how to to mitigate those. And we're also constantly looking at the the new approaches. The uh, the technology is getting better for using water to do disinfecting uh, when it's treated properly. So there's a, a lot of things new on the horizon, and we want people to stay in touch, learn what they can, and, and make the things safe for themselves uh, as a company, for their workers, so they're actually using it, and for all their customers so that they don't come into a building and get sick just because of the smells that are there. Uh, some people very sensitive to the perfumes that are in chemicals. So, so many things to, to remember and think about and for people to look down on a custodian because of the job that they do really should be looking up to them because the knowledge they really need to do that job is above average. Most jobs that are out there today. You know, something as we're closing here, Bill, uh, and I appreciate your time again this morning, uh, this month. One of the things I want our listeners to understand is, you know, I just kind of rolled off COPD. I just kind of give you a few details here as to what this is. This is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's the nation's third largest killer after heart disease and cancer. About 150,000 Americans die every year from COPD. And if you're a woman and you have COPD, it's more deadly than breast and ovarian cancer combined. So whenever we're talking here this morning and we bring out these programs and we're talking about chemical safety, uh, the, the risk to frontline custodians, Folks, I want to tell you that this is not a joking matter. Just as we've been talking about infection prevention and with COVID that's going on right now, this is about saving lives. And the lives that we're intending to help save are yours, the people that are using these chemicals. I know that's a little heavy here at the end, uh, Bill, but uh, that is why you and I are both passionate about what we're talking about. Exactly so. I don't think it's too heavy at all. <laughs> I think it's important. Well, folks, um, you know, we've we've talked about now for a little over an hour, or right at an hour, I would say. Uh, Bill, do we have any uh, parting words from uh, what you've been doing and, and any uh, thoughts on the COVID issue as it's going? No, we've, we've changed some of the methods we've done. We've, we've accomplished some of a lot of well, I don't seem to say that. It's all of it. All of the training we've had since we've been in isolation has been through uh, social media type things like Zoom, uh, FaceTime, uh, uh, telephone conferencing. So uh, that's that's just become our norm now. We aren't on the planes traveling places like we used to. And we can see these buildings through, through those devices but it's still not the same as physically being there and uh, miss that part of it. But I'm, I'm glad that there were ways for us to stay safe and still do our jobs for people. You know, I, I think it's funny, uh, as you say that I can't, I can't help but think this bill, you know, whenever you and I first talked back in uh, 
I think uh, late November, early December about getting out a podcast. I, I heard the apprehension uh, in your voice more than once. And today you were ready to get on the podcast before I had it open and you were there within uh, a little bit. So uh, apparently technology and you were getting more friendly. Well, I, I'm thinking that I'm getting better at it. I don't know. We'll see. But I know that I lack a lot of the skill set that I'd like to have. Uh, but at my age now, I don't know if I'll ever catch up with those, those young that got it all developed. Well, I think this is what we're talking about, though, is, is we're all, you know, with, I, I hate to use the coined phrase, we're all in this together. But literally, we are. And the thing is, is that we need to help each other work together. That's why you and I have partnered up and uh, putting this program together for people. And we do this podcast. Um, I know that uh, over last month, I got uh, several people, Bill, that said, hey, when's the next podcast? I want to hear more. And I said, hey, here's his address. Call him and get hold of him if you need it before our next podcast. Yeah, and I had a few calls like that. So we we helped a few people out along the way. Well, folks, uh, that is a wrap on another podcast here from Beyond Clean with Ace. We are sponsored by Jim Supply, where they have been saving lives with cleaning supplies for, well, over 80 years now. They uh, distribute products out of the Orlando area, covering, uh, well, pretty much the whole state of Florida and uh, anywhere else that uh, supplies are needed to be shipped. We're very happy to be sponsored by them, give us the ability to run the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. Interestingly enough, we have our next um, broadcast of the Infection Prevention Expert, and uh, it is international flair because we have uh, a person from uh, Paraguay that has signed up to be a, a part of the class, as well as we've had people from Hawaii, Saudi Arabia, and the Netherlands. So. Uh, we're very happy to be able to provide professional development education for uh, the live class members and the online, as we said earlier. If you like what we do, please share. Uh, you know, that's that social media thing. It's the engine that drives things, as Bill just said, these days. Bill, thanks for being on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more in the coming weeks as our project continues. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Whatever you do between the time that we've talked to you today and the next time we talk, make sure that it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Have a good weekend, folks. We'll talk with you probably next week.